host, Trika Jean-Baptiste. Reset Your Career in Any Economy is a podcast created for professionals from all sectors, industries, and experience levels. It is a space for learning best practices, access to resources, and networking strategies to remain relevant in this economy. Please follow to hear the latest episodes and to share your thoughts and questions. Reset Your Career in Any Economy is available on Apple iTunes and wherever you get podcasts. Join us each Friday at noon. Today, I am excited to welcome back to the podcast, Janet Scobie, who is the principal of Reigning Talent. Reigning Talent is a boutique recruitment firm based here in New York City. Janet is going to share with us today some really important information, strategies for creating a winning resume, one that will get attention, land the interview, and ultimately land the opportunity. So this is a a must-hear episode for everyone, all job seekers or, or professionals who are just looking to pivot their careers. So Janet, welcome. Thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having me again, Trika. Thank you. So this is really, really exciting. So um, we're going to kick it off, unfortunately, with um, some bad news. Um, This morning, you and I were just talking. The job number, unemployment number is now very close to 40 million. Um, That's 40 million unemployed and and. The percentage um, overall is probably over 20% at this point. So this episode is critical. So Jan, what are your thoughts um, just on hearing those numbers this morning? Yeah, it's, it's, it's massive, you know, almost 40 million people out of work. I think that, um, people will really be evaluating sort of next steps what's Mm -hmm. happening um, with their career. And I think it's a really good time to sort of, where do you want your career to go? Um, I know a lot of people are feeling very powerless uh, right now, but it is a good time to reassess and really look, um, create a strategy sort of, of where you'd like your career to go um, right now. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's dive in. So Janet, what is a resume and and why is it important? I know that's a very, you know, probably basic question, but um, what is it? The resume is one of the most important documents that each job seeker should really take the time to, uh, you know, really invest in creating their resume. This is the first Mm -hmm. document that every hiring manager is going to look at. Most, I was just reading an article and most hiring managers really scan a resume and they have, you have six seconds basically for them to see the most important aspects of mm-hmm. your um, of your experience of your career tra- trajectory, right? Um, so, so, so what is it? It's 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 one of the most important documents of your career. It's really an overview of your experience, mm-hmm. your skills, your career trajectory, the education that you bring to the table. It shows really the value that you're going to bring to that employer and to right. um, his the company's success. Okay, and then why is it important? Why is a resume important? 
because it shows the what you bring the the value that you bring mm-hmm. to a certain industry to a certain job that they're looking to fill it really shows in uh, a very succinct way what you're bringing to the table okay and so it is basically telling your professional uh life story to a hiring manager or talent manager yes definitely okay Okay. and so we got that clear um what uh, a resume is and why it is important so what is the first thing a job seeker should do when they're preparing a resume? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, um, you know, we covered, we like we discussed in the previous podcast about um, really resetting your career uh, at this moment. This is the time to assess where you're at professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the first questions Um, before creating your resume is what exactly are you looking for right now and in terms of next steps, especially if you're unemployed, where do you want to go from now in your career? Um, You know, how would you, in terms of where you'd like to go, how would you frame that experience so that it makes sense to the hiring manager? Um, How can you make your experience, your skills applicable to the industry and the specific position that you're looking to target um, in terms of next steps. So the next important thing to do is really take the time to research right now, um, in creating a strategy for where you'd like to go next in your career. This is the time to research and really, you know, look at the industry that you'd like to go into. Is it the same industry that you were in? Is it a different direction in that industry? Is this is a, is it a completely new industry? Uh, what jobs are open now? What's the job market looking like right now? Are there five companies? What are the five companies that you'd like to work for? What positions are open now? Uh, What position, you know, what's your dream job? Look up job descriptions of the positions uh, of the people that you're interested in on LinkedIn. Like look at look at their profile. So if you're looking, if you're very interested in a company, a specific company on LinkedIn, why don't you it's it's time to really look at those people's profiles to see what kind of career trajectory that they had, that who pivoted, did someone come into um, that position from another position? So this is a time to really create a strategy for where you'd like to go and research the job market. That That's a, an excellent point um, you just made about research, right? So um, imagining your uh, ideal position and then doing the research online on social business networks like LinkedIn um, to take a look at those positions and how uh, that person or contact arrived um, at that position. So that that's really very um, smart, actually. To take yeah, that how approach. many people exactly? How many people is in that department? Uh, right. What was the position under yours? What's the position that you're targeting? What are the senior people? What do their tra- trajectory look look like? This is mm-hmm. all good information for you to really create something that will attract those very people. Right, right. And so, after you've done the research, what is the next step? After you've identified an industry that you're interested in, and uh, possible potent, uh, position or level, what do you do next? 
So the next step is really um, creating the resume right now. And so usually there's certain elements that I think every person should know before even sitting down to create a resume. These are things that should be in mind. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing your research, a lot of resumes now come with these um, summaries or objective statements or, uh, that start off the resume. Many times it's in paragraph format. And I feel that many times I'm reading those statements and they don't tell me specifically about the person. Um, sometimes they don't really mean anything because a lot of people are using um, paragraphs from templates that they found <laughs> online right. and, or, or they're, they're explaining you know, a key part of their experience in a very general way. So people use sure. buzzwords like results driven, or sometimes those summaries are too long. The key is quantifiable results. That is very important. Hiring managers, and I'll talk about this a little bit later in terms of how your resume is coming to a hiring manager. So they get a lot of resumes, uh, people scan it. So they need to see right away what what you bring to the table. So that is highlighting specific skills, accomplishments and achievements and highlighting really the value that you've had throughout your career. So that's at each position. So again, I will, you know, highlight, look at the summaries of people mm -hmm. on LinkedIn that hold those positions or those dream jobs that you would like. So the objective should be clear always. So make sure that those summaries and objective statements are really saying something about you. Um, Can you give us an example? Give us an example of... Um, of something that's too general? Well, um, both general and what is the appropriate um, way to list a skill or an experience? A lot of... There's, um, there's a lot of debate about whether that, uh, that summary, that objective should be in paragraph format. A lot of people prefer it to be in bullet points. Uh, like three core bullet points of the value, your achievement, your accomplishment, who you are as a professional. A lot of people prefer the three bullet points because a paragraph we have to read, whereas a bu in bullet format, we understand right away what are the three top skills that are essential to this position that you've accomplished and that you can do. So um, a lot of people prefer those three core bullet points as a summary, really as a as an introduction. It's really an introduction to who you are professionally for this specific role. Okay, so, so that to that point though. So in a summary, mm -hmm. um, is it important um, to state what you are looking for? Um, yes, sometimes, yes, it is important, but I feel like you should know that that's part of your strategy. You should be targeting roles that offer you that. So sometimes I like, I tell people that I understand what you're looking for, but sometimes I really prefer to see the achievement or the accomplishment of those three bullet points. Um, okay. I, I can, you know, I can give you an example, for example, of um, a general statement. I see a lot of, for example, um, you get statements that say I've managed a team of uh, 10 people. Um, right. You know, I got 
um, I directly supervise, for example, uh, three managers right. uh, and indirectly a staff of 15, I think. Okay, that doesn't tell me anything. How did the team do? Was it, was it better than the other teams at the company? What results did that team get? And how did you improve your team's performance? Mm -hmm. So you can say, manage a team of 20 that consistently outperformed other departments in, I don't know what action, lead generation or, so it has to be specific. It's great that you manage the team of three, uh, but what did that team accomplish under your management? That, those are the kinds of, that's how specific that you should be in those statements because a lot of people write, like I said, you know, those statements. Or for example, I see a lot streamlined processes. Uh, well, what, what kind of processes? Right, uh, what does that mean? Exactly. Yeah, what specific impact and result did that mm -hmm. generate? Did you save on operating expenses or time? So it, the more specific you are, um, right. Better in that in that opening um, in that opening summary or statement. And to that point, um, talking about being specific, do you get into numbers? Yes. Is that important? Yes, I was going to talk about that in terms in terms of um, we're getting we we need numbers and we need metrics. That is important. Those are the kinds of resumes that land interviews. People need to know what are your achievements. If you're coming into a sales role, if you're coming into a leadership position, people want to know the actionable results that you that you achieve to create great results. People need to know that, especially in certain kinds of positions. So, um, and I feel like those are the kinds of resumes when people truly understand the value of your experience, it's easier for them to say, okay, this person is a great match for this job. I want them in. So that's the difference between a resume that is general and then a re resume that's very specific that highlights actually that highlights numbers and metrics, quantifiable results. That's really something that everyone should um, yes. think about when they're creating uh, their career trajectory on the paper. Right. So another question, again, very basic and one that probably everyone is asking or has asked at some point, how long should a resume be? Right, right, right. right. So I think that I like a resume to be at two pages. For um, If you're starting out or mid-career, you can definitely put it on one page, but no more than two pages. I feel that in certain leadership positions, of course, they're going to have two pages. They've done a lot of key things in their positions across the board that they can take the time um, and give us a resume on two pages. But if you're just starting out in your career or you've only had two positions or three positions, I don't see why it needs to be on two, pa on, on two pages, really. Okay, and so the next question following that point, um, if say you're senior or, um, mm -hmm. and you're doing a pivot and you want to keep the resume concise and on two pages, as you just mentioned, at what point, what what span um, of your career should be included? So in other words, if, if you understand what I'm saying, mm -hmm. um, at what point do you begin and at what point do you cut off? 
the general um the general time frame i have seen especially in researching for this mm -hmm. is 10 to 15 years okay yeah 10 to 15 years um and you know in terms of a pivot and i i, I there are different types of resume formats. We have chronological, which is the most common that we mm -hmm. do see that starts with your current position and goes back in time. Sure. Um, then we have the functional resume that really emphasizes the skill, transferable skills and tangible results. And right. that's your an experience over your work history. And this is a great kind of resume for people transitioning to a new industry or with gaps in employment or people looking to reintegrate the job market after a long absence. Sure. Um, so there's the functional resume. And then a lot of people that I'm seeing more of that I like because it's a balance of the two is the f the a combination of the chronological and the functional. So you're starting with the core skills, core transferable skills that you can use in that new role, um, in that new industry. But yet below that, it gives sort of like a chronological resume highlighting the positions that you've had um, in a very succinct manner, like um, company, job title, dates, maybe one sentence. So there's a combination of those two that I like for people who pivot, because sometimes in a skills resume, people also want to know what, what kinds of companies did you work for? Were these the top companies in this industry? People need to see sure. that as well. So even if you're working for another top company in the industry, I think it gives your uh, experience a layer. And sometimes it gets people who and I'll mention this because I've just gotten this feedback from certain hiring managers. Sometimes when a person only sees a skills resume, they feel like they're hiding something. Did they have like a checkered, uh, you know, did they have a lot of gaps in their work history? So there's a lot of questions sometimes that comes along with a resume that's only functional, whereas people love to see, okay, which states did you work at this company? What kind of company for how long? So I think a combination right. of both for someone who pivots is a great kind of resume to present. Uh, okay, so just for clarity, when you say skills resume, what does mm -hmm. that mean? So what, so that's, that's, Okay, so in the industry that you're looking to to to, to transition into or a specific role, what are the transferable skills in your work experience that you can present in this new role to make your candidacy attractive? So um, it could be certain leadership skills. It could be certain achievements and accomplishments that you've done along the way that can be transferable. Um, so it's really that's where the research comes from. That's in looking at the job description, looking at the skills that you've, you know, that you've garnered across your work history to see what is applicable, but what is directly app applicable. Um, so that is what I mean by transferable skills on a, especially on a functional resume. So people lead with that. What are the skills that you've, that you've had, that you've used? Right career that you could apply to that new role. Right, right. And so that would include technology as well. Technology, mm -hmm. leadership, certain kinds of achievements. Certifications. Uh, certifications, continuing education, mm -hmm. new certifications, new degrees. 
um, all of that that you could bring to the table to make your um, to make your profile attractive. Uh, people pivot all the time. People transition all the time. Well, especially right now. Especially right There's now. There's a lot of that. Yeah. So let's move to the do's. Um, mm-hmm. give, give us a list of do's. All right. For I just a winning for a winning resume. I love a resume that is very reader-friendly format. That is really important. People are scanning a lot of profiles. They need to really get information quickly. That's why I love the clean bullet form kind of look. Um, when I see too many paragraphs, it's just too tight, and then you you really have to read. Um, so. I like a reader-friendly format. Uh, I like with a very strong opening summary or objective, like I said, a statement that says some things. I prefer bullet points. In general, three highlights of the most relevant experience that you have for the role, that should be your statement. Like I said, I see a lot of summaries that say what you're looking for. I think that that should be obvious, what you're looking for in terms of because you're applied to a certain position at a certain company. So use that space really to give me a highlight. It's like a pitch. This is right. Right. So Jan, if I may interrupt, so it give us um, like number, a number of things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, is it five or six things? In terms of creating a winning resume. um, In terms of the structure. So we're looking at a summary objective. Then your experience, then your education, then in your skills, certifications, languages spoken, and interest. So let's start with like uh, that. We already talked about the summary objective. Let's talk about the experience. So it should be a very, um, it's very important that uh, the experience and the bullet points, if you're listing three to five bullet points in your experience, the first three bullet points needs to really be the core of that role. I just so many times I have to like uh, rearrange those bullet points after speaking to a candidate at length. So it should be the first three should be the core of your role. The first one is definitely what that role is about, the most important part of your position. Um, so it should be in bullet points. Uh, the, I wouldn't go beyond five. When I see beyond five, it, it becomes long. So try to see if you can get five very strong bullet points. The now, language this is in the experience, in right? Experience, under yes. experience, mm-hmm. yes. So five bullet points under experience. Right. Okay. Um, the language should be uh, powerful and grab the reader's attention, of course, and okay. highlight relevant work experience. We understand that... Right. Um, you know, you sometimes positions you're doing many different things, but it should be really relevant core experience to that role that you are applying for. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it should be um, use relevant keywords. This is really important, this keyword um, situation. Why? Because when you're applying to positions on these platforms, a lot of it is um, your resume is going to an applicant tracking system. So, It's software that really sorts and filters resumes to hiring managers. And what are examples of those software? Um, Just to give us a couple. Um, So like an Indeed or... 
job portals, but the applicant um, tracking systems, you know, they're different ones um, on the market, but we're mm -hmm. all using them because it parses resumes, it filters resumes to right. us. And so and those, what are the ones that you use? I use... Um, and so they in in a sense, um, they're they're kind of like SEOs, right? Yes. In another world. Okay. So so give us an example of um some keywords that you know would pop up in your tracking system. So it depends. It depends on the mm -hmm. job description. So when you're looking at a job description, what words are coming up more than once? Right. So what if I'm looking for technology, just to give an example. Yeah. If I'm looking for a position in the tech world right. uh, and I may have SAS experience. Mm -hmm. So what would be some of the keywords um, that I should have on my resume? So if it's for a Java developer, I need to see Java. If it's for um, a s different kinds of applications that you've used, I should mm -hmm. see definitely those applications. I yeah. need to see all of that in the really on the top part of your resume. Mm -hmm. um, so look at the words that are coming when you're reading a job description. Look at all of the words that they're using really in the top lines of that job description, especially in the duties. Because of the algorithms that the, the, software is use, the software is using, it's pulling resumes that have those keywords. That's a very great, that's good. That's really a great point. Um, yeah, because so, a lot of people say- So oh, using keywords like, are critical. Um, exactly, a lot of candidates tell me, I feel like I'm in a black hole. I'm like, you are in a black hole because if your resume doesn't have those keywords if those resumes you know if it's if it's sorting you in a way that you don't that you don't have those keywords your resume the hiring manager is not even seeing your resume the the system sort of filters the matches to the hiring managers so right. if you're using a language that doesn't have those core words in it the hiring manager is not going to see it got it Got it. And so the next point would be so in terms yeah. of structure. Um, so in terms of structure, we also we talked about um, demonstrating in terms of your experience, demonstrating your worth with numbers, quantitative results, measure, uh, measurable metrics and achievements. Many resumes lack them. I will say that again. Many resumes lack them. And this is so under uh, Janet, let me stop you this is we're still under experience correct yes that's, that's our education okay so we're still under experience and uh -huh. people need to i just want to highlight that because it's sometimes it's only after speaking to a candidate for 30 minutes 45 minutes that i've realized what they they've truly accomplished in a role and i that should not be the case i shouldn't have to speak to you for that long uh, so we could, um, so I can understand what you've done. Um, also update experience with online, um, in terms of education, we need to update experience with online certifications, continuing education courses, webinars, anything that highlights, uh, adds more value to your candidacy. Oh, that's a great idea. So you can include webinars. Yes. As well. Yes. I've seen that's that. 
Yes, I've seen that lately. <laughs> Which is great because there are a lot of things that are offered online that can brush people, you know, brush your skills up. Right. That you can definitely put. Also, languages spoken. And Mm -hmm. when I say languages spoken, they need to be spoken. (laughs) If you read a language, that's great also. Um, But sometimes I get people who put a language and they sort of have an idea. They don't really speak it. They've taken it (laughs) before. So if you're going to put a language, make sure that it's spoken. And I will say something Mm -hmm. about education. Don't lie about education. Many people, Mm -hmm. some, you know, I've got- You're kidding. Yes. Because, and I'll tell you why. Some people will lie about it because they have one course or just a few more credits to take, but they didn't take the credits. So they've done pretty much four years, but they're missing just- 20 credits, maybe, you still did not get the degree, even though you've done a a span of time. So I've gotten that. People said, well, you know, I only have a few credits left, but you didn't get the degree. And that, and that has come back um, in my, that has come back actually several times. Wow. So that's very, very important. Very, very important. Yes. Um, Yes. And so, yeah, so I will just and, and back to languages. So uh, spoken being being fluent um, it is helpful, a plus. Um, but also being able to write it, right? Like business. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. So if you're stronger in reading than speaking, that's still that's still something that you can bring to the table. It's just that if you don't really speak it, but you took it maybe four years in high school or in college, but it's not really language that you master, I don't think you should put it on on your resume. Got it. Got it. So let's um, let's go back, or maybe we didn't cover this in, in total. Um, the don'ts. We talked about do's, what to do, for creating a, a, how do you create a winning resume? What are the common mistakes and what should listeners not do when writing a resume? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in terms of summaries, objective statements that mean nothing. Um, So we wanna have quantifiable results, uh, numbers and metrics, then using company job descriptions um, or listing of generic job Duty. So I'll get, I'll get a candidate who literally lifted the descriptions of the job duties from a position, but you know, that was just because the language was better or it was hard for them. to. Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Please don't do that. (laughs) It's always as it relates to what you've done. It's great to see how companies to tailor Mm -hmm. your resume to sort of the job description, but not lifting word for word. So what you actually Exactly. Your your day to day duties, what you were responsible for, not the formal job description. Your actual responsibilities um, that highlight your experience. Um, Also, lack of consistency in format. I'll see bolding here and then italics there and then different spacing. It all has to be consistent in terms of the format, in terms of your tabs, in terms of your bolding, your italics, and your font. That's very important. So what what is the appropriate format for a resume? Um, the appropriate format should be, you know, I always use Times New Roman, Arial 12. 
Um, and right. sometimes mm-hmm. to, 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 it should not be too, the font should not be too little. Um, to get everything on a page or two, sometimes I see these these tiny fonts that should not be the case. I really don't think you should go beyond 10. Um, just it's easier on the eyes. Um, but it should be consistent, whichever one you use. If you're using sometimes for headers, people use a, a little bit of a larger font, that's okay. But it should be consistent in what you're doing. Spelling and grammatical errors, that's another common mistake. So many resumes have grammatical errors. And I'm like, that's the, that's, that's the first thing that everyone should do after. Oh, uh, yes, is definitely. To spell check. Um, but there are many resumes um, and all levels, actually. So it's sure. not, um, I find a lot of errors on resumes. So um, that's spell check always. Also, mm-hmm. if you're not in like a, a, a creative field, I feel like heavily designed resumes shouldn't be presented for certain types of roles because you you get so lost in the busyness of the graphics and everything like that. So I think that it should be really clean standard, especially if you're not a graphic designer, you're not applying <laughs> graphic design sure. at all. Um, so it should be, and it should be on, you know, white paper. Sometimes I get this paper that's like <laughs> really pretty, but um, mm-hmm. it's busy. But not appropriate, yes. Yes, and also there's people who use inappropriate, unprofessional email addresses. I've gotten, so oh, that's interesting. So, so, yeah, tell us about that. What do you mean by inappropriate email address? I got one that said hotchick at gmail.com. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> literally. And she, I made her, ch- yeah, I made her change it. It was something that she had f- for a really long time. And it was oh, just my. Like, you need to create a, a new one. A so business. Me, expletive. No. It really should just be, if you can, your name or something that's professional and yes. appropriate. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Important <Yeah>. tip. <laughs> also, vague dates. I, you know, people hiring managers that I have spoken to, and it's not everyone, but a very large percentage they're sticklers for the dates. They just are. When there's too much of a gap or when there's vagueness in a date, mm-hmm. you know, when did you start? Why do Sometimes I get resumes that say 1991 to 1992. Well, was it a month? Was it a week in 1990 between that right. time? Or was it 10, 12 months? So v- dates should not be vague. I should not get uh, anyone calling me because a date, you know, and I will never forward a resume like this. If I ask for dates, they definitely will ask for dates. (laughs) So that's so by dates, just to reiterate your point, it is important to include the month, the day, and the year. I am sometimes the day is just too much, but definitely the month and the date. That is very that's the basic, really. Um, I shouldn't have a resume that has only year, like 1992. 1991. I need to know the specific amount of time that you've worked at that company. Got it. Um, also, 
and we discussed this earlier, resumes that go too far back, that are too long. I think 10 to 15 years, if you've had that career span, is fine, definitely, and, and necessary to show what you've done in a span of a career. But if you're just starting out, I don't. it has to be very targeted. Sometimes I get um, for entry-level positions, a lot of positions that had nothing to do with the job. Um, mm. So I think that people, it should be very targeted if you've had um, internships um, or if you've had customer service, that's something that you could put in your skills. You don't need to list every job that you've held sure. before um, starting. Um, and also like, and we talked about this before cramping, it should be, it should be easy on the eyes when it's cramping it, your brain has to kick in in a different way. Um, especially if you're, uh, you know, you just need to scan resumes and we're seeing so many of them. Um, and lying about education, we covered that. Right. Well, I have a question back to your point about, um, 10 to 15 years and I'm sure, you know, many baby boomers, uh, listeners will um, probably have thought about this question as well. In the current job market and even pre-COVID-19, uh, how, did, how did and how do employers look or perceive um, applicants who have 10 to 15 years or more? I mean, if it's relevant to the position, mm -hmm. very well. Mm -hmm. If it's relevant to the position. And that's the t I, I think that's why it's so important um, to do that research before. If you have 10 to 15 years that's so relevant to a position um, or you present yourself in a way that, 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 that those skills or that experience is transferable, people are open to it. It's when you're having 10 to 15 years of experience that seems so, every, that everything that you've done, it's not curated in a very specific way. 10 mm. to 15 years experience for me is, 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 essential. This is the That's value great that to hear. someone, this mm -hmm. is, yes, it's, it's the value that someone brings to a position and it doesn't necessarily have to be in that specific industry. We can't just negate people because, you know, they're looking to pivot or, tr or, or, or transition or because of ageism. So for me, I will never, this is something that I really am, I take to heart because I get so many people that say, well, I don't want to put all of that because, I, you know, ageism, they've had to deal with that. I think that if you curate your 10 to 15 year experience in a way that shows them the value that you're bringing to that position, I think that, that people are very open to that. So speaking of buzzwords, I've heard you use it twice now and I love it, curate. So basically curating that resume, actually curating your professional experience. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really important because there's so much value in a 10 to 15 year career trajectory. And for someone to say, well, you're too old for that. No, there's value in that 10 to 15 year trajectory. Sometimes it's the way you present it. It's the way you present it that makes people more susceptible to to looking at it. Awesome, awesome. So Janet, I'm gonna ask you um, a question. Yes. A great, and, and you'll answer this question. A great resume has the following things. What are those things? A very targeted summary and objective that shows clearly 
the highlights of your most relevant experience and what you bring to the table with quantifiable metrics and number. That's number one. Number two is your experience um, presented in a chronological, functional, or combination of those two and with keyword rich resume that targets the position and the experience that they're looking for. Each experience will be presented with a concrete dates and you will be listing three to five core, strong, powerful highlights of what you did in that role, achievements, skills of what you did in that role. You can span back 10 to 15 years if necessary, but it should be on one to two pages. Second, third is your education. I need dates. If, you if you're just missing, if, if you did not get the degree, then it shouldn't be on there at all. Um, you can say that you've had coursework. Yes, you can definitely say that you've had coursework. You could definitely also put the time. But if you didn't get the degree, you can't put the degree on there. Um, you can also list certifications. That's very important. Continuing edu education courses, webinars. If you've, if you've given a webinar, those are the things that are important to put on that. Um, if it's a company that has uh, interest or if you read up on the company culture and a lot of the people do something that you do, cycling, marathon races, maybe that'd be something to put in your, um, in your interests that you've mm -hmm. done to show um, that you're a great fit for that company. So it's summary objective, experience, education, and then skills, certifications, languages spoken, and interests. And that should be on one to two pages max. And properly formatted. And properly formatted, yes. Yes. <laughs> Formatting, so we, yeah. spell with a spell check, with no grammatical errors. Professional email address. Professional email address for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I just want to touch lightly on cover letters. Um, because yes, a lot of people find it tedious or after doing a resume, sometimes they don't have the, the heart to go into a cover letter, but a cover letter is really important. And honestly, I'm finding that a lot of the hiring managers love um, to read a cover letter. The cover letter is something, first of all, no form template cover letters. Don't even don't even submit it. Just don't even submit it. It says something about you right away. Right away when you submit something like that, it means that you're lazy. That it, it just says so much. And I've gotten so much feedback about this. Um, it should strengthen your candidacy and candidacy for right. the position. And it's really an opportunity to expand on your experiences, your skills, and your achievements mm -hmm. outlined in your resume. So this is a really important document as well to present yourself and to talk a little bit more about what you bring, what's special and unique about your candidacy and what you bring to the table. It should be three paragraphs, an opening paragraph. Oh, just three paragraphs. I think so. I think okay. especially, Great. I, th I think it should be just clean three paragraphs. You're presenting yourself, um, you know, what you're applying for, it, you're, you're in the second paragraph is really the meat of what you bring to the table, the value, your experience, expanding on that a little. And 
the third paragraph is the final paragraph where you're saying why you're a good fit for that role, really a, re a summary of why you're good a good fit for the role um, and, uh, and a conclusion. So it should be I, I, no more than three paragraphs. It should be really tight and it shouldn't be too long because again, um, people don't want to read something that's too long. Okay, and so the cover letter along with the resume goes to the hiring manager at the company or when do you s actually send a cover letter and your resume? Um, a, lot well, to whom? a lot of companies ask for it um, with mm -hmm. the application process. So you have to see what they're looking for. Um, but many companies, if they do ask for one, especially on an online portal, that should be submitted with it. I get a lot of people telling me, oh, uh, we, we asked for our resumes with cover letters and we're only getting resumes. Um, mm -hmm. So it should always, if, if the company is asking for it, it's for sure. Reason. So it should, you should submit it as well with your application. And what if they do not request it? Is then it helpful fine. to do it? No, anyway? no, that's fine. I, I always like when I receive a cover letter, when I didn't ask for one, I love that. Great. I love that because it says some, especially a cover letter that's saying something about who they are, what they, you know, why they think they're a great fit for the role, what they're bringing to the table. It says a lot about the person. That's terrific. So it strengthens the entire package. It really it does. Elevates you. Yeah. And All when right. you read a cover letter that's targeted, it says a lot about their investment in the process. Ah, yes, yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. Terrific. And so resources, you, you've given us so much um, just phenomenal information, Jan. <laughs> we definitely have to have you back on um, again and again. Um, but if you're completely lost, and you just don't know where to start with a resume or cover letter, what are some of the resources you would recommend? So uh, these are new things that I, um, you know, in, we, we spoke about this, but resume assistant. Now this is available for the moment only to Microsoft 365 sub subscribers. So, um, so you can access this through Microsoft Word. So you just need to open Microsoft Word Mm -hmm. um, if you have the latest version and click on the review tab and then mm -hmm. click on resume assistant, which is always to the far left when you're uh, in the review tab. Mm -hmm. And this is great. I discovered this. I must say, I just discovered this myself and it's powered by LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And um, you can plug in. It really walks you through this. It shows, for example, the first thing you can plug in a role and the industry that you're interested in. So if you're interested in um, a marketing um, or a strategist, you can right. put that strategist position and then the industry, marketing, advertising, and it shows you real work experiences and examples from real people in those fields that are on LinkedIn. Um, so you wow. can actually look at those descriptions and see the relevance in your experience. 
and it shows you the ways in which people are describing, presenting themselves and describing their experience as well in similar fields. Or so fields they're actually, they're actual samples. They're actual samples from oh, real people that are on LinkedIn. That's why people should be using LinkedIn not only to apply to jobs or to connect with people, but also as a research tool to see the ways people present their experience, especially at the companies that you're looking to work for. Right. So um, it, it can really give you sort of, get your creative juices flowing in terms of how do I present my experience? Right, now is that free? That is free if you have Microsoft 365, so right. the latest Microsoft Which work. Pretty so that much everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's resume. Can you repeat the name again? It's resume assistant. Resume assistant, and it's part of the review on the review tab. Yes. When folks go to spell check. That's where it would be. Mm-hmm. It's it says review. You click on that tab, and to the far um, to the far right. I'm sorry, to the far right, and you can just put, it's right there, you click on resume assistant and then it drops down and then it'll ask you right away the role that you're interested in and then the industry and then, mm-hmm. it pop, then it populates the fields. It also shows you the top skills related to the role that you're looking for based on information on LinkedIn. Oh, so that's incredible. See, yes, it shows you the top skills and mm-hmm. so, if it, and see these algorithms are sometimes very similar. The top skills, those are the skills that also need to be in your resume and describe ah, the experience that you've had. So yes. it's giving you some of the core words, keywords that you need to be using as well in your resume. Got it. So that yeah. goes back to what you were saying earlier mm-hmm. about the keywords. Exactly. Got it. So, so resume assistant and what is another? Um, resource. A LinkedIn Profinder. This is a professional services marketplace and it, mm-hmm. they really enable you to connect to um, freelance or independent, independent professionals um, in the area in your area. So that would be resume writing if you're interested right. in that specific area. Um, so it's free for consumers. Mm-hmm. So once you go on LinkedIn Profinder, you plug in, there's a tab and you plug in resume writing. That's the service that you're looking for because there are many different services on that uh, platform. Um, And then click get started. So you put in resume writing, you click on get starting and this is what you get. You get, you know, you choose what you need help with, whether it's a traditional resume, which is just your LinkedIn profile or something else like a cover letter, for example. Um, Then it gives, then it goes to request. Um, and then, um, you, ha- you can answer a few questions about the, your resume writing needs. Hmm. Um, and then you'll get, uh, after you put that request out, you will receive a few proposals from their curated list of resume writers. So they're vetted by LinkedIn. Oh my goodness. Wow. And then it's once you review those proposals, you choose to hire and they and because it's they're vetted by LinkedIn, they feel that you can hire with confidence. That's terrific. So as a recruiter, you would recommend um, ProFinder as well. Yes, um, mm-hmm. I it's, it's really important that um, resume writers 
are vetted mm-hmm. for me. I think it's really important. It's a big market. Um, and I feel like with the backing of a LinkedIn, I think that they could really hire with confidence. Um, like I said, it's a big market and you need to, sometimes people don't know who to hire. Sometimes the fees are so extraordinary (laughs) that it's impossible for many people, especially young professionals, to hire someone to to write their resume. Sure, sure. And so if um, our listeners out there wanted to, say, send you their resume and information, um, what is your process for receiving resumes? I love resumes um, because I'm always editing them. Anyone can, any candidate can always send me a resume and ask me how to strengthen that resume. I'm always open to that. Uh, On my LinkedIn profile, my my email is on there. So if you'd like any kind of advice on your resume or your LinkedIn profile, I'm very happy to give it. Terrific, terrific. And so here is the $1 million question. Um, we've heard the job numbers, the unemployment numbers. What are you presently looking for in terms of candidates or positions that you're looking to fill? And this could be just broad. I mean, you don't have to be specific, obviously, in terms of, of names. But what are you looking for right now in terms of candidates? Um, I'm looking for tech people. I'm looking for auditors. I'm looking for also marketing strategists because I'll have some of those roles at a later date. So people, strategy positions. So I'm looking for people right now who want to talk about their profile, how to strengthen their profile, how they can use LinkedIn as more of a research tool, um, how to connect, how to build relationships. I'm open to all of that. Okay. And so even in the midst of this crisis, you still, there are still opportunities. There are still opportunities. Um, Companies are looking to hire remote right now with the option of Mm. it going full time, not full time, but uh, with the, with the um, opportunity to Mm -hmm. work on site. Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. That's terrific. That's encouraging news. It is encouraging. Uh, It's mostly in finance and tech right now. Mm. But um, I think the the best thing right now, especially if you're looking for a new role, is just to make your candidacy, your your, your profile, what anyone is seeing, whether it's your LinkedIn profile or your resume, as strong as it can be, as strong as it can be. And I think that's the best that's Mm -hmm. that's that that can make you feel powerful. Um, and strategic later on. Sure, sure. Well, this has been an incredible episode, so much information, so informative. Um, And I encourage listeners to please go to Janet Scobie's LinkedIn profile. And it is under Reigning Talent. Um, and it'll be listed um, on our site as well. It's raining talent. Please reach out to her. She is 
incredible, as you just heard, uh, very knowledgeable and can help you find that opportunity. So Janet, thank you so much. I hope you will be back on again. In fact, we will have you back on again. Thank um, you so much for having me. Great. And they can find your email address, correct? On Raining yes. Talent and LinkedIn. That's correct. As well. Great, great. So thanks everyone for listening. I'm your host, Trika Jean-Baptiste. This is Reset Your Career in Any Economy podcast. Please join us every Friday at 12 noon, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you so much. See you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Janet.